Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumlupstay Sequetman territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetman Ulu. And today's text, Boo Bitch, is set somewhere in Washington State. It's not specific, and there's a lot of nations in Washington State, Joe. So I thought I'd take the opportunity to acknowledge some that I don't think we've mentioned before. So the Yakama, the Silex, and the Confederated Tribes of the Colville Reservation, just to name a few of the many nations in Washington State. Hmm. The only reason you have any idea where it's set is license plates, so. Oh, I see, I see, okay. Yeah, 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 not a big big place-oriented program, Joe. Um, I mean, there's a lot of issues with this year's show, <laughs> the least of which is its lack of geography. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in where this show went. I thought mm-hmm. the first four episodes were like quite fun in mm-hmm. that Julie and the Phantoms kind of way. It's what I compared it to before we started recording. Like it was silly and ghosty and weird and mm-hmm. the rules didn't make sense, but who cares? It's right. fine. And then it just becomes yeah. so unwatchable in the back half. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I actually feel bad that last week we talked about the show and said like, it's a really fun time. You know, it's we silly. It's fun. through. <laughs> yeah, because that back half falls off an absolute cliff. And to the point where I was just like, the only reason I'm still watching this is because we're covering the show. Otherwise, absolutely. I would have stopped. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give the plot and then we can talk about where it sort of runs Goes wrong. Rails. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the premise of Boo Bitch uh, is that Erica Vu, our protagonist, and her best friend Gia have been playing it safe all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. And they're almost finished. They're seniors, and they're realizing that they ha- sort of haven't had the full high school experience. And in fairness, it's mostly Gia. Erica's at first kind of like, okay, with playing it safe. And then yeah. they kind of reverse when Erica Vu realizes that she's made it through all four years of high school and no one actually knows her name. And so this sort of spurs a desire to be cool kids for a night. They head off to a big party. It's a rager. It's a lot of fun. They're making a new legacy. And the notion of a high school legacy is going to become exhaustingly central to the premise of the show. (laughs) And honestly, I think that's part of the issue is like, if you are no longer in high school, you're aware that the high school legacy, not a thing. Not a thing. Mm -mm. Not a thing at all. Um... So anyway, all this to say, on their way home from that amazing night, um, one of them dies. One of and- them. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the rest of the series, one of them is a ghost. We think that Erica is the ghost. Mm-hmm. But anyway, how much are we spoiling, Joe? We don't want people to watch this, do we? <laughs> Here's the thing. I feel like the show thinks it's duping you by the reveal that, spoilers, folks, it's actually revealed to be Gia, the other girl. So Erica's best friend about midway through the season. And it's meant to be, I don't think a twist, a twist is too strong a word, but it definitely is meant to be a, ooh, this changes everything because Erica has been making all these life decisions as though she's going to be gone soon. And then it's revealed, oh, no, it's actually Gia. And that's why people haven't been seeing her or responding to her. And 
in a pinch, I think that could have actually worked. The problem isn't that the show tries to pull this on us. It's that it then uses that to then double down on Erica's bad behavior for the rest of the series, as opposed to saying, oh, let's investigate this interesting female friendship. So it completely misconstrues, once again, where the interesting story is. Yeah, and I I found this twist extremely frustrating, in part because the rules of ghost in this show are Mm -hmm. not consistent and they do not make sense. And so it was funny because, you know, in the second episode, it becomes clear that Gia is kind of more of the outsider than Erica, even before Erica becomes extremely popular. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I bet, I bet Gia's the one who's really dead. But then because the rules are so incoherent in what a ghost can see and do, I actually put that aside. I was like, I guess not. Like, cause Yeah, it's just not sense. important. And so the show doesn't care. Why should we? And then in the episode where they do the reveal, it's less like, oh, neat twist. And more like, oh, for frig's sake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all this to say, yes, Erica uses the fact that she's going to die or is dead, as an opportunity to really um, be every bit the mean girl, popular girl, rule the school kind of personality. <sighs> when she finds out that it is in fact Gia who is dead, rather than being like, oh, let me help you, my best friend who I just found out is dead, she is instead like super B-I-T-C-H to the extreme for the mm-hmm. remaining episodes, to the point of it being almost unwatchable because, uh-huh. you know, The mean girl payoff is wit and repartee and like saying the things that no one else would say. And this show doesn't really have that. Instead, it Mm -mm. just has a series of increasingly grating young women playing the stereotypical role of the popular girl. And then in the end, everything works out and we have a big emotional scene where Erica and Gia uh make good on their friendship and Gia ascends a guest to heaven. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's totally unearned and boring. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think part of this is also extremely frustrating because when you look at the talent behind this show, there's no reason why it should have gone this way. So folks, if you didn't know, this show was created by a multiplicity of people. It was always envisioned as a miniseries. So it wasn't like, oh, they suddenly had to extend it because they got renewed for a second season. No, no, they always planned to have eight half an hour episodes. That's what they were commissioned for. And This show comes from quite a few people. So it's uh, executive produced by Tim Schauer, Kuba Soltziak, Aaron Ehrlich, and Lauren Ungerrich. And I know Ungerrich and Ehrlich from other shows. So they are respectively responsible for things like Awkward, which is an MTV show which had admittedly similar kinds of issues, like really good actors and actresses, dicey plotting and issues Mm. with like likability with characters. And we'll get to the likability in a bit. Um, But also they were responsible for things like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which tackled issues of obsessive personality disorder and also likability. And both of the shows were kind of innovative for their time. And then we look at the cast of this and, you know, we've got Lana Condor, frequent shower-upper on this here podcast, playing Erica Boo. we're Boo. a fan. We're a fan of Lana Condor. Lana Absolutely. Condor, what are you doing? <laughs> and, like, the rest of these people I don't know as well, but Zoe Coletti as Gia is 
perfect in this role. She mm-hmm. absolutely plays the kind of vulnerable, overshadowed by her best friend, sort of wallflower girl. Mm-hmm. And Mason Versa as Jake C., Erica's crush, is like totally adorable. Extremely adorable. Yeah, stupid adorable, which I find is actually very difficult to pull off convincingly. Like he's smart when he needs to be, stupid when he needs to be, and always looks great with the hair. Yes, absolutely. So it's like, it's all working in terms of casting. The concept itself is sort of fun in that slightly familiar kind of way. And we're still dealing with high school popularity. So like, there's lots of opportunities to investigate what would you do if you had a second chance at this? You know, would popularity be this important thing? Or would it be friendship? And like, we all know where this is going to go, right? We know that they're going to have a breakup and get back together platonically. And that it would likely all come down to prom because it's such a central point in most narratives, but specifically this one. So not not a lot of surprises in that regard. And then I just, I don't know how they woof it so bad. <laughs> they really do. The The show's plotting is focused on two things. The sort of unappealing nature of girl drama, which... right. Uh huh. And also the notion of a high school legacy. So you've got a problem already in that those are going to be, I mean, the legacy question is, I think, after a certain age, just boring. But if you love the characters, you can sort of sink into that obsession, right? You can sink into feeling the way they would feel. So that's Mm -hmm. fine. But this idea of like, girl drama as sort of wholly unappealing, um, it's kind of a gross plot line. Like the whole premise is that the reason Jake C looks at Erica the way he does is because he sees her as the polar opposite of Riley, the girl he's been in an on again, off again relationship with his whole, you know, teenagehood. Mm-hmm. And Riley is the sort of quintessential queen bee, um, directs and controls everyone around her. Lots of drama all the time. Right. Erica is perceived to be this sweet girl who has no interest in drama. Um, Mm -hmm. And instead, she becomes effectively like a caricature, an extreme version even of Riley. And the the plot point that they kind of use to like bring that home is this notion of the prom. So first, uh, Erica pretends to be against the prom so that she'll seem different from Riley and Jake C will be into her. Mm-hmm. Then she admits that she really wants to go to the prom. And it's a very sweet moment because Jake admits that he also loves the idea of prom and is not too yes. cool for prom and they're going to go together. This is when the show is good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this extreme thing where I'm not even actually 100% clear on the motivation, but she becomes extremely anti-prom to upset <sighs> the order, the social order of the school, and she manages to get prom canceled, not just at her school, but at many schools in the state. Mm-hmm. And then she goes back to wanting a prom because she gets offered like these amazing sort of resources because now she's this Instagram influencer. And so this back and forth on the prom becomes a cipher for like, women just can't figure out what they want. And Jake C is like, oh, I liked you because you had no drama. And now you have all this drama. And it's just like, It's very tired, and it exhausts the singular plot point of the prom to a degree I don't think we've ever seen before. I think there's less prom talk in movies that are about proms than there Mm -hmm. is in this TV show. (laughs) Yeah, and none of it interesting, right? Like, No. 
it initially begins as a sort of protest, right? Like it's mm-hmm. elitist, it's classist, it's anti-feminist, it's, um, you know, all these things, which the show then literally never unpacks. Well, because Erica doesn't really believe it, right? It's just convenient. So the other mm-hmm. thing that ends up happening is all of these very legitimate complaints about the way in particular American schools perform promness. Like, right. This whole promposal thing, Joe. I'm so glad we didn't have that when we were teenagers. Oh boy. Most promposals are significantly more dramatic and over the top than mm-hmm. the way marriage. I was the way yeah, my marriage proposal was. <laughs> like, Honestly, promposals and gender reveal parties shoot them into the sun. <laughs> we don't need them. They are they are bad. And they like, start forest fires, <laughs> be done with them. And so like there's a way that you could make a really good critique of that kind of the kind of consumerist culture that feeds this the the yeah elitism classism like the gender stuff around prom like there's all these interesting critiques that the show could go into mm-hmm. but instead it's like oh never mind erica does want a prom proms are great <laughs> go well, away <laughs> and ultimately this is also surface level right mm-hmm. which i would be fine with if the show admitted to itself that that was all it was interested in doing right because it starts off as a sort of treatise of you've got two wallflowers who decide you know what we need to make a last gasp at this before we maybe lose this vital part of our lives right like let's try to make something at the moment cool that's an interesting starting point if the show had just said okay let's try to become people that we aren't or try you know like what happens to our friendship do we start to drift apart cool but we're literally dedicating subplots to erica (laughs) charging up her parents credit card so that she can throw rager parties and it's like yeah okay we've seen this in movies a bunch of times before too but then it becomes about her trying to become more famous in quote-unquote death than life so that she will stick around longer and this is where like the inane boring familiar plot intersects with the show's inability to decide what the rules of her (laughs) ghostdom is to just produce a wash on everything like i can't care about anything because you're not taking any of this seriously well that's exactly it right it's like should people be able to see them or not like Mm -hmm. the whole gia thing it's the not Gia problem, I the labeled Gia it. Problem. <laughs> it's not distinguishable between sort of the lack of popularity of the two girls and Gia as dead girl, mm-hmm. which, again, could be a really interesting thing to tease apart. Sure. And the show really wants to do it in the final episode. None oh. of you miss Gia because you didn't even know she was alive when she was here. Um, mm-hmm. But she is so integrated into the school community in those first four episodes that it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then we get these flashback scenes of like, oh, actually, Erica was talking to herself in the hallway that day. But like, no one else reacts to that. It's mm-hmm. it's just very odd. It wants to do a bunch of stuff. It doesn't want to commit to any one thing. Mm-mm. And as a result, a show that starts off like a messy fun time, like one of the things you and I were saying yeah. when we were both starting the show was like, there's no real rules and it's hilarious. Yeah. It goes from messy fun time to too messy to care mm-hmm. around the midpoint of the season. And I'm just so glad there's no way for a sequel. Like there's no <sighs> space for a second season here. And I'm just really grateful. 
I mean, never say never, but yeah, this this did not make enough of an impact, so it's fine. (laughs) Watch we get a second season of this and not Paper Girls. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, two different streamers, but yes. I think the biggest issue, I would have been able to accept a bunch of this if I didn't actually care. Like, Mm -hmm. I went in... And it's Lana Condor, who, as we said repeatedly, we both really enjoy. And it has that sense of fun, flirty silliness to it, right? Which is so absent in a lot of the media. Like, Paper Girls was great because it tackled things seriously, but also, like, I'm not living my best life, you know, rolling on the floor laughing, blah, blah, blah with it, you know, it's trying to do some serious things. And I thought this is great escapism, which is something that teen girl viewers also need, Mm -hmm. especially when you know, it's ultimately going to do this kind of like life imparting message at the end about friendship, which it does, it tries to get there. (laughs) But in doing so, it literally made me hate Lana Condor, oh which God, I thought so was impossible. But this character, it, it's not even exaggeration, folks. She becomes insufferable. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because so every time I react this way to a character, I really, I challenge myself. I fight with myself because, Joe, you've called me to task on more than one occasion for my desire for likable characters. Mm -hmm. Especially when it's teen girls and especially when we're talking about teen girl friendship. (laughs) Yes. The problem with Erica Vu is not that she is unlikable. Mm -hmm. It is that she is unlikable because her behaviors don't make any sense. Right. There's no motivation for her to throw Gia aside and Mm -mm. become friends with Riley within the world of the show. It's not a reasonable path for her to take. And so it's not just that like her individual behaviors are freaking irritating, although they (laughs) are. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) It's more that there's no way in. Like you lose your ability to empathize or care because, you know, the way she treats Jake C is another good example, right? Because Mm -hmm. Mason Versa is doing such a good job of selling the kind of kicked puppy popular boy character. Yeah. the, The way she treats him you can't like her. <laughs> no, it's abhorrent. Can't. And especially when you're seeing scenes of him being like, this is why I was so attracted to her is because she is normal. And she is normal in those yeah. first couple of episodes. So like, you like their chemistry, you want to see this happen. And then the show just says, haha, you wanted that? Too freaking bad. Now she's an a-hole for the next six episodes. <laughs> and you're stuck watching it because you committed to talking about this on your podcast. <laughs> Well, and then we get to this final episode. So we, we've teased that it's fairly predictable. We know it's going to end at prom. We know that it's going to be all about the friendship between Gia and Erica. And you get all of that. But it's meant to be this heart-filled, <laughs> saccharine ode to, ooh, now I know better. I wish I had done things differently. Gia is still my best friend. But it all happens in the space of 24 minutes. It makes... <laughs> even less sense than most other things in the episode and also feels so, so unearned. It is so unearned. And Erica gets everything she wants, right? She becomes... Yeah, she, she pays no price. <laughs> no price. She, she becomes the most popular girl in school. She gives this speech honoring Gia's memory. She even gets to make Riley look bad one last time. Mm-hmm. She gets everything and Gia just gets dead. And (laughs) here's another part that makes no sense, right? Throughout the series, one of the conceits is that the body is rotting. 
Right. And who, whichever one of them is dead, because of course that changes through the show, but has to finish their unfinished business before the body decomposes or is discovered, right? right. So this is the important thing. Which, by the way, is it ever explained why Gia's family does not go looking for her? No, because that doesn't matter. Because Gia doesn't matter. <laughs> she really doesn't matter. Um, so that's this conceit that they're working against. And one of the things that they keep saying is like, well, if you don't finish your unfinished business before you get discovered, then you're sort of doomed to like low grade haunting. You like mm-hmm. flip light switches and stuff. Right. And so yeah. the gag that they tell to each other over and over again is we have to solve your unfinished business so that we don't you don't end up like a lava lamp. What does Gia end up as at the end of the show, Joe? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Literally a lava lamp is delivered to Erica's perfect dorm room at her perfect university where she's living her perfect life after Gia's death. Mm-hmm. And Gia's light turns itself on and it's a sign that Gia is still with her. And really, it's a sign that Gia is trapped in the lamp forever. Yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> it's, it's meant to be this warm, beautiful moment of, oh, these friends are still together. And you're like, no, no, that one girl's <laughs> dead. And this other girl didn't give a crap about it. <laughs> she really didn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is wildly baffling that they thought that this was going to work or that audiences were going to respond to this. And interestingly enough, the series did not get an incredibly warm critical reception people you know we always praise lena condor because even when the show is disappointing her she is committing to the bit right Mm -hmm. absolutely so critics you know they they talk good things about her but overall they say you know this is a show that's a little too eager to be a kind of mean girls but it doesn't have either the bite or the smarts and Mm I mean, I'm not one to usually agree with the populist critics, but in this case, I I agree with those claims. I'm very disappointed, to be honest, because yeah. it has a lot of magic and chemistry between the characters in the first few episodes. All it had to do, honestly, to recover from a lot of what's happening, we just needed one person in the writer's room to care about Gia, like right? at all. That would have rescued it from a lot of what happens because as a result of her being such an afterthought for basically episodes four, five, six, and seven, mm-hmm. we end up in the situation that when Erica gives this moving speech, it doesn't it Mm-mm. doesn't ring true at all. Even work. though Lana Condor is selling it as hard as she can. So hard. Mm-hmm. Bless her for trying, but like absolutely she cannot rescue this. No. Nope, she can't. No. <sighs> and this oh. is the thing, right, Joe? Like, so often we we give sort of reviews or, like, not full reviews, but, like, you often judge a show on, like, episodes one, two, three, four. Sometimes we don't even get to see to the end of a series when we get mm-hmm. screeners and stuff, right? And I was thinking about that here. I was like, this is a show that would really benefit from the screeners only giving you episodes one, two, and three. Because yes. I was really praising it at, by the end of episode three. A hundred percent. I was I was publicly saying, you know, hey, everybody, make sure you check out the show. It's a lot of fun. And now I'm just like, oh, well, that came back to bite me in the tookest, didn't it? Uh, I, I legitimately have not seen a show fall off a cliff this badly in the back half in quite some time. It is dramatic. I mean, I think if you're the kind of person who is into, like, the craft of screenwriting – you should watch the whole thing just for the, the drama <laughs> of that aspect. Um, but if you're just dissect looking... <laughs> and analyze, where did this go wrong? <laughs> but if you're just looking to enjoy yourself, like I don't know, watch the first two episodes because you miss Lana Condor, and then rewatch mm. to all the boys I've loved before or something. There we go. There we mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Brenna, do we want to try to play some YA bingo with this? You know what? Why not? I've run out of other things to say, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be more complaining at this point, so. Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay. Okay, what have you got? So, obviously, there's a dead body. Correct, yes. Yeah. It's also, Joe, filmed in the territory now known as Canada. Not what we usually see, which is exterior Mm -hmm. shot in Canada, but pretty much all the interior stuff was shot in Canada with the exteriors in California. Yeah, which is wild to me when you told me that offline. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's a new one. That's a change of pace. (laughs) It's interesting. Going to go with hollow romances, although Jake Mm -hmm. C is really trying to sell that love story. It's not going to happen. Trying so hard. I know. Um... What do you have? Okay, so I have prom. Oh, God, yeah, prom. You and your prom (laughs) holiday. You finally got one. There we go. (laughs) I've got borrowed time because, of course, even though we don't know when it will happen, the idea is that we're operating under this ticking clock of we got to fix this unfinished business before the body rots. Mm -hmm. We have a female director and screenwriter. Oh, yeah, that's true. We have Magic Supernatural. Even just the lava lamp itself, Brenna. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> God, that made me mad. It, of all the final set pieces, the one that like traps her for all eternity and the thing she didn't want. And the show is like heartwarming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mistaken, mistaken, mistaken. Um, yeah. I mean, we could say stunt casting for Lana Condor, yeah. but I feel like we tend to use that as more of a cameo or secondary supporting character because like, this show was created for her. So I don't know that it fits. Well, instead of that, why don't we go with Netflix connection since she is Netflix royalty at this point? There we go. Oh, I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got. I think that's it. Unless you want to call her a manic pixie dream person because she seems to think she is. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? Does it count if they think they are, or does it have to be focalized through another character for it to count? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know either. Uh, I can put it this way. Even if we do the Manic Pixie Dream Person Square, it will not give us a bingo. Then why bother? Why bother? Gosh darn it, boo bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized that earlier in this episode, I spelled out B-I-T-C-H as if the show is not called boo bitch. Mm -hmm. And every (laughs) single episode includes the word in it. Yes. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. We're trying to keep it (laughs) G-rated because we're not an explicit podcast. But uh, it's weird, right? I mean, not to detour us around and, and start a whole new conversation, but I'm interested that bitch is no longer really considered an expletive anymore yeah it's true it's an interesting one is it a demonstration of feminism's ability to recontextualize language or is mm. it just misogynist who knows <laughs> i mean we do love misogyny don't we oh, it's the best mm-hmm. i mean i wasn't speaking for us personally i was thinking <laughs> of society at large but okay Bretta. <laughs> Good All times. Right. So, yeah. Joe, what are we uh, what are we heading off to next? Well, Brenna, unfortunately, you have to step away for a little bit while you deal with some personal stuff. So, in your absence, I'm going to invite some special guests on to try to fill your shoes. And we're going to begin next week with Jen Adams, who folks may remember from our Moxie episode. And together, she and I are going to tackle Netflix's Do Revenge. Fabulous. 
Also, if you're looking ahead to book club, our next book club is like extremely retro, Joe. We are going to the Lord of the Flies. Yeah. So, folks, we're going to be reading the original book as well as the first film adaptation. I read a tweet this morning where someone was complaining that under the current curriculum, their child's classroom has descended into the Lord of the Rings. And I laughed really hard. (laughs) So, if you you want to be able to tell the difference between Lord of the Flies and Lord of the Rings, make sure you read with us. These boys are fighting so much on the way to get the ring from Mordor. (laughs) Oh, kids these days always throwing cursed jewelry into volcanoes. (laughs) and also killing pigs yes (laughs) it's gonna be a good one so if you want to get in touch with us about lord of the flies as you read it or about anything else you've heard on the show if you've got something long form for book club it's hkhspod at gmail.com and otherwise you can find us on the twitters hkhspod or on the hashtag hkhspod joe where do they find you to tell you that boo bitch is actually (laughs) awesome actually (laughs) Uh, I will only accept it if you address me personally as bitch and I can be reached at B stole my remote and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray and that's Gray with an A. Yeah, so this was a disappointment. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know what? Actually, I take back my previous comment about what you should watch instead. Mm -hmm. If you want some ghosty fun, go rewatch Julie and the Phantoms instead. There we go. Yes. The heartwarming sort of ode to phantomdom, wishing we could do things differently, but discovering it's not all bad that we mostly appreciated and still our top rated episode. Amazing. All right, Mm -hmm. folks. Well, that's a good reason to watch and listen. So until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. So bye, bitch. And... Ugh.